It's time to get informed and inspired. This is Saturday Morning Live, sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, and Linden Sheet Metal on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Good morning and welcome to Saturday Morning Live. My name is Ashley Buttonshaw and I'm your host this morning. And this morning I have with me Judge Rebecca Robertson coming to us from down south. Uh, Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us just a smidge about you. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Judge Rebecca Robertson. I actually sit in King County District Court in downtown Seattle currently. I've been a judge for 13 years. Before I came to King County District Court, I was a judge in Federal Way Municipal Court. I am the chair of the Council on Independent Courts, which is made up of judges uh, statewide to address judicial independence issues. And I also sit on the board for judicial administration in the state and I'm a representative to the District and Municipal Court Judges Association. Great. So, you know, I want to ask you a quick question. Why did you want to become a judge? I really wanted to help people and to affect the justice system in a way that I thought would be appropriate. I was a prosecutor for nine years before I became a judge. Okay. And I thought, you know, I think instead of arguing for the right result, I want to be the one who decides what I believe the right result in the case is. Great. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to come right back in, but we're going to be talking about what's going on here with Judge John Rands or Jonathan Rands in Whatcom County and uh, get into kind of some of the details because this can be a bit confusing to your average person. I know it's been a bit confusing to me. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. This is Dick Donahue with Asset Advisors, and for over 12 years, we have been bringing you Wealth Wake Up every Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, we focus on investment management, retirement, tax planning topics, and some of the political influences on your planning for the future. And on Sunday, we focus on the latest economic updates for the United States and globally. During these challenging political and economic times, we try to provide you the latest information to assist you in your decision making. Call us at 360-733-1200. Go to our website at Wealth Wake Up and join us live at 11 a.m. on Saturdays or 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings here on KGMI. The opinions voiced on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up are not affiliated with CWM LLC. This is Barry Barometer, reporting live from outside Linden Sheet Metal. It appears there is a high level of traffic around the building. I'm going in to investigate. Rose, do you know the cause of all this activity? I do. You have heard about Christmas in July sales. Well, we thought why not do the opposite and have a summer in the New Year event. Mmm, sounds intriguing. What details can you provide? All gas fireplaces, furnaces, heat pumps, and air conditioners are on sale with discounts up to $900. There are still utility rebates and there are tax credits too. We also offer financing up to 18 months with no interest if paid within terms. Why buy now, Rose? Lots of reasons. To save on utility bills, stay warmer in the winter, and to beat the rush of those who waited and be ready for cooling this summer. There you have it, folks. Call today and take advantage of Linden Sheet Metal's Summer in the New Year event. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest since 1940. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. 
Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. And I'm your host, Ashley Buttonshaw, this morning. And with me is Judd Rebecca Robertson. So we're just going to talk a little bit. Um, well, I guess the whole show is going to be about what is going on here in Whatcom County concerning Jonathan Rands, our new appointed judge. And so he, our our or sorry, elected judge, not appointed. He's elected. And he he was not only elected by the people, but elected pretty pretty handily. I mean, sixty two percent in a contested race, and and so you know, for for the people, they want to know what's going on. So, could you dive into just for a moment here? Explain, I guess you know, what does the um, the judge the the job of a district court judge? What is that? So, district court handles any of the criminal misdemeanors in the county. And they also take care of the civil cases under a certain dollar amount, the small claims matters, and the infractions in the unincorporated areas of county or if any jurisdictions contract with the county to handle their criminal matters. So the judge would do anything from handling a traffic ticket, handling your small claims if you want to sue someone over a car that wasn't repaired correctly, and then all of the criminal misdemeanors, domestic violence, thefts, uh, and DUI cases in the county. Okay, so so speaking of DUI cases, so this is where it comes in for Judge Rands. Uh, you yourself came from the prosecutor's office, and John, Jonathan Rands he comes from being a DUI attorney, and and so you know that didn't seem to ju- didn't seem to bother the people when they voted for him. They thought that he would do a great job as judge, and he won. So now we've got the prosecutor's office has done something to to put a halt to him being able to see some cases on the bench. So can you explain exactly what's going on? So as you said, Judge Rance was elected in a for what would you consider a landslide in a contested election? Absolutely. 62%. Um, he was on the bench three days when the and hadn't made no significant legal rulings, et cetera. And the prosecutor's office started submitting what's called an affidavit of prejudice or a motion for change of judge in uh, many DUI cases. I think it ended up being about 123, something like that. Yes, 123. 123 cases. Um, Judge Rand sits with another judge, Judge Anderson. Each of them have about 1,000 open cases between, you know, each. Mm -hmm. And so 123 cases at that point, that's about 10% of the cases. Right. My understanding is that there are no more motions for change of judge or affidavits now, but at that time, who knew how many they would be? Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that they were on DUI cases and at which the admissibility of the breathalyzer test might be in question. And so when Jonathan Rands was a defense attorney, he handled DUI cases. There was a motion, it's called the Kitsap motion, mm-hmm. because it originated in Kitsap County, uh, from defense attorneys that argued that the breath test should be suppressed because the state toxicology lab didn't follow the technical rules that they wrote right. in the Washington Administrative Code to calculate the breath blood alcohol content. So this motion so was... So giving an inaccurate level. It actually was not inaccurate. Okay. It was a way of calculating the measurements that made no discernible difference to the actual result. Okay. But the toxicology lab was still not following their own rules, All which right. they should. They need to, yeah. So the argument from defense is the state toxicology lab is not following their own rules, and they should, and this should um, 
mean the breath test is suppressed, the prosecutor's offices around the state would argue they may have not followed this technical rule, but it made no difference to the test. No harm, no foul. But uh, rules are rules. But rules are rules. <laughs> and this so, is court. Right. <laughs> okay. And so and that is defense argument. So it's a very color, uh, you know, a, a valid argument on either side. And judges across the state do not agree. Mm-hmm. Some have suppressed those tests and some have not suppressed those tests. This issue is actually before the state Supreme Court in their spring term. And so the state Supreme Court's going to have the ultimate say on whether these tests are admissible. And that's the background on this particular motion. Now, Jonathan Rands, as a defense attorney, uh, had to submit this motion on behalf of his client. He's representing one person. He has to, by his ethics rules, uh, do everything that he can to zealously represent the, uh, this person. So every DUI defense attorney uh, had to essentially mm-hmm. submit this motion to suppress the breath test. Frankly, to not do so would be ineffective assistance of counsel. Usually on these motions that have an effect on breath tests statewide, because there's one state toxicology lab, is handled by a few people. And then okay. everyone else jumps on the bandwagon, uses their briefing, Usually this one or two, three people handle all the oral arguments in all of the different courts, no matter what individual defense attorney is representing their clients. So up here in Whatcom County, Judge Rands had two clients. He decided, I'm going to have to submit this motion to suppress the breath test. These are my clients. Of course, I have to do this. So he called the architect of this motion, the defense attorney who brought it and who's arguing it across the state, um, his name is George Bianchi, and okay. George Bianchi came and argued those cases on behalf of Judge Rand, or uh, Attorney Jonathan Rands at the time before the Bellingham Municipal District Court. Okay. So I know there's been some concern that Jonathan Rands had been the architect of this motion, wrote the briefing, argued it. He didn't. He actually did what most defense attorneys do, which is have someone else come in and argue it uh, uh, for them. And it's not necessarily that he wants to get rid of the breathalyzer. It's, he's just defending. Right. So it's arguably it's because they're not following the rules. And therefore, Correct. if you're not following the rules, this should not be used. It's not that he necessarily believes that it shouldn't ever be used, but the rules need to be followed in order for it to be admissible. Oh, correct. Right. Right. I mean, and as a defense attorney's job is to absolutely represent their client. And if they have an opportunity to get evidence against their client suppressed, they have to take that Mm -hmm. opportunity. Even if they say in another role, if they were a prosecutor, and there are people who are defense attorneys and prosecutors at the same time in different jurisdictions, uh, might argue against suppressing the test. Or as a judge, you know, there's valid arguments on either side, but I'm going to err on the side of the state and I'm not going to suppress this test. So we all have different roles to play in the justice system. Mm -hmm. So Jonathan Rands, as a defense attorney, brought this, you know, had to bring this motion on behalf of his client. Jonathan Rands, as a judge, does not need to um, rule in defense's favor or rule as he's previously argued on any legal issue that he argued on behalf of his client. Right. And so the prosecutor's office has stated that they fear he's going to be prejudiced here. That's that's what their fear is. And and so in doing so, they have filed these affidavits for hundred well, more than 123 cases. Or was that what it ended up being? I, I'm not quite sure of the 
end number. Okay. I know that since February 14th, they have not been filing affidavits. Right. So uh, over 100. And this is this is a lot, right? That, that's a lot. I mean, that's not something that normally happens. And I mean, can you talk more about how you were telling me for the prosecutor's office, especially when do you normally see an affidavit of prejudice? In my experience, and that's been 23 plus years, it's very unusual for a prosecutor's office to submit motions uh for change of judge or an affidavit against a judge. And usually when they do, it's after years of legal rulings that they've been concerned with. They usually take, um, you know, the the recordings of these rulings showing the elected prosecutor, showing the head boss, this is what's happening. We are very concerned about it. In my 23 years, I've only heard of two times where that's actually happened in King County. Other counties might be different. Uh, But it's very unusual for the prosecutor who is a representative of the people in the state and is in a quasi-judicial position in as much as they represent the defendants and have to preserve their constitutional rights, too. It's very unusual for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, because they're they're claiming it's for the safety of the public, because even though I mean, there seems to be no evidence that Jonathan Rand is going to rule with prejudice, they're saying it's. For, for the public safety, you know, like he's just going to let all these people off. So what's unusual about this case is that the, the affidavits were submitted before he had a chance to make any ruling at all. Exactly. So my understanding is that he knew that DUI cases with this breath test issue may be an issue for him when he took the bench. And mm-hmm. so he contacted the administrative office of the courts, which is administers the courts statewide, and ask their ethics advisors about this issue. And that's judges go to this office and ask for an opinion on an ethics issue quite frequently. So Judge Rands did that, did exactly what he was supposed to do. He went and got this ethics opinion, uh, and they told him, you know, you don't have to recuse yourself on, not on the cases involving your former clients, of course, but on the other breath test issues Uh, Because you can make your own legal ruling. You didn't actually write this motion. You weren't the architect of this motion. However, you should give the parties the chance to argue before you that you should recuse yourself. And Judge Rands knew that he was going to give the parties an opportunity to argue he should not hear these cases at all. And most likely may have recused himself just for the appearance of fairness altogether. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he was not given that opportunity. My understanding is that he was having a discussion on the record with the defense attorney who asked him, are you going to be hearing some of these motions? And Judge Ranz's response was, I've done the legal research and talked to the ethics advisors, and I believe I can. And that was it. What he didn't say was, and telling the prosecutor and defense what their job should be, which is bring a motion before me. If you have concerns, ask me to recuse myself. We will hear that argument on the record. Everything mm-hmm. will be recorded. You can give me your positions, and I'll decide what I'm going to do. That's what should have happened so that Judge Rands had an opportunity to hear any concerns of the parties and make the decision about what he wanted to do. Right, and so it seems that there, with him being new here, it seems this is not the best way to start a relationship <laughs> between judges and the prosecutor's office. Um and, you know, I can't speak for Richie. I haven't I haven't talked to him, our, our prosecutor. Um, but I it seems to me that this is, again, not the best way to start off a relationship. And, 
you know, Eric Ritchie, he had chosen someone to run for office or he had endorsed someone and, and had backed them. Um, and that person didn't win. And so I, I think for the people looking on, it looks as though they're retaliating and they say they're not and they may not be. But, you know, I think that it's very it's it seems to be an abuse of their ability to file these affidavits. And that's what our concern was on the Council uh, of Independent Council for Independent Courts was the appearance of an abuse of power. I don't know Mr. Ritchie. I don't know what his prior relationship was or uh, with Judge Rands, but before Judge Rands even made a ruling, they submitted all these affidavits. It had been a contested election. He had supported someone else. So there was certainly the appearance that this may be an abuse of power. And when the Council on Independent Courts wrote our editorial, our, we had nothing to do with the argument before Judge Olson and whether or not he should rule in any certain way. What our concern was was the fact of the affidavits themselves and the appearance of the abuse of power and taking away Judge Rand's ability to do his job that he had been elected to do. Right. So you guys, you you and one of your, um, the, the people who sit on this council view, uh, David Larson. Correct. You guys wrote an opinion piece. And so can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, you've kind of gone over most of the things that are in there, but I mean, I guess your grand scheme, your the bigger the bigger idea here and the concern, and you kind of talked about in in your, your opinion piece, but you want to touch on that a little bit? Sure. So our opinion piece was about the use of affidavits to disqualify a sitting judge before he had made any rulings whatsoever uh, from hearing any cases. The state has an enormous amount of power. The prosecutors do. They bring the charges. Mm -hmm. Bringing charges against someone is a life-altering event, and that's a huge source of power that they have, which is, of course, tempered by the Constitution. People are have the right to a defense attorney and to have a judge make legal rulings to make sure everything is being done correctly. And by submitting affidavits before a legal ruling was even made and essentially uh, blanket affidavits on various cases, they're depriving the voters of their right to have the judge who was elected to hear these cases hear the cases. And so that was our large concern. Mm-hmm. I know there was a side issue about Judge Rand's um, ruling that some of those affidavits were untimely, and that went to the appellate court, which from a district court is the superior court. We didn't have any position on that. Uh, I think most judges would agree Judge Olson made the right ruling. We didn't want to have any influence on that. That was a really specific legal issue. Yeah, they're, they're questioning on, you know, when did he become a judge, basically. It's, it's, right. Is it, the, you know, a date that the election was certified? Was it when he was sworn in? Because it calls into question, you know, when they filed these affidavits within right. a certain amount of time. It, it seems to be the nitty-gritty details. Of- right. It's whether those were timely affidavits. And there's right. a kind of va- – there's a court rule and there's a couple statutes, all of which say different things addressing mm-hmm. these affidavits. And so it was the interpretation of those uh, statutes in the court rule. And, you know, Judge Rands ruled one way and uh, Judge Olson ruled another way. I think probably judges across the state would or would not agree with those rulings. We didn't have any position on whether that should or, you know, what that ruling should be. Mm-hmm. Our editorial was supposed to come out actually after the ruling, but unfortunately Judge Olson got sick and had to postpone it. So okay. I know there was some concern yeah. that we tried to influence that, and we really had nothing to 
to say or do on that, that would be inappropriate. Our concern was the fact of the affidavits themselves. Right. All right. Well, we're going to take a break real quick and we will be right back. Where do you go to find the best steakhouse between Seattle and Vancouver, B.C.? Northwest Washington's famed Steakhouse at Silver Reef is the place for award-winning, unforgettable fine dining. Savor our Northwest-sourced, dry-aged USDA prime steaks. Finish to perfection in our 1,800-degree broiler. Immerse yourself in world-class elegance. Browse our award-winning wine and spirit list, while our attentive staff help to create lasting memories. Reservations are recommended through SilverReefCasino.com or by calling Silver Reef Casino Resort. At Silver Reef Casino Resort, we've got that. Escape the hustle and bustle of the city and get ready for a fun and relaxation-filled getaway. Luxury hotel rooms? Yep. Championship golf? Mm-hmm. Top-rated casino with all the best slots and table games? Yes and yes. World-class dining at the region's best and Wine Spectator award-winning steakhouse? Yes, please. The total package is only missing one thing. You. Silver Reef Casino Resort. Located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. So we're here with Eric from Ferndale. Eric, why do you own a gun? I believe in safety first and self-defense. Here with Liz from Bellingham. Liz, why do you own a gun? I own a gun for the same reason I own a fire extinguisher, in case of emergency. Wayne from Linden. Where did you buy your firearm? The Linden Gun Sale. I got mine there. Sent my parents there, friends and neighbors too. Hands down the best anywhere. Well, there you have it, folks. Come to the Linden Gun Sale at the Northwest Fairgrounds this weekend. Saturday 9 to 6 and Sunday 9 to 4. For details, go to BigTopPromos.com. COVID-19 has tested our communities in unthinkable ways. In the face of crisis, Puget Sound Energy has given over 18 million in bill assistance to customers impacted by the pandemic. And together with PSE Foundation, gave 4 million in community grants for COVID relief. All the while, PSE continues to lead on clean energy with a goal to reach beyond net zero carbon emissions by 2045. It's part of our commitment to doing what's right for customers and communities. Together, we're creating a clean energy future for all. Learn more at PSE.com together. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. A rare winter storm has been hitting Southern California. Weather Channel meteorologist Mike Bettis. Significant snow. You take a look at the highest elevations, another four to five feet, winds gusting over 60 miles an hour, blizzard conditions at times, even in the Southern California mountains. Then there's a lot of rain in the forecast as well. Outside the Russian embassy in D.C. last night. Russia is a terrorist state. 
protesters joined in solidarity for Ukraine on the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion. Disbarred lawyer Alec Murdoch faced a second day of intense questioning in his double murder trial. Good or bad idea for him to take the stand? He had to admit that he had lied about many things. He had to admit about his financial misdeeds. He had to admit that, in fact, he made up things when he talked to the investigators. They're back at it on Monday morning. And that's legal analyst Lori Levinson, CBS News Brief. I'm Stacey Lynn. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. And I am your host, Ashley Button in Today here in the studio with me is Judge Rebecca Robertson. We are talking about Judge Jonathan Rands and what's going on between the district court and the um, prosecutor's office. And currently, there, you know, we, we've been talking about how there were affidavits of prejudice, 123 of them filed against him. And, and so, you know, as this, we're talking in the break, I, I know that there have people, so the questions I've seen from people is, you know, one, oh, could we have known about this before the election? In fact, I, I, I know it was brought up before the election, uh, and, and Judge Rands had addressed had addressed it and, and talked about it's it's about like what you talked about it's about the fact that are are people following the rules and it's about defending and and in this case he was defending someone because it's his job correct. and his job now is a judge correct and so i think you know we look at the fact that he did his job he did it well he did it as best he could and that's why he got elected and and so i think that that you know you could you could always ask jonathan rands about it um, if someone if someone has more of a concern, I'm sure you can you can get a hold of him. But the thing is, is I think you know that there's been arguments who ha- that have been said. Um, you know, what if well, you know, what if he is you know he's he's a judge now and and he's going to rule just let all these people out and and then there's going to be a bunch of victims from reoccurring people. The thing is, is well, you don't know because he hasn't done it. Right. He hasn't ruled on these cases. So there has been no evidence. So they're saying you're guilty without even having the evidence against him. So the argument can be made either way. The argument could be said that, you know, that he did his job as best he could when he was a defense attorney and he's going to do his job as best he can as a judge. But you can't you cannot convict him on on something you think he may do when there is no evidence of what he's going to rule on. And I think, you know, in talking with him when he was running, he wants to uphold the law and he wants to protect the people of Whatcom County. He talked about public safety and, and you know, DUIs and, and the, the crimes that are committed with a DUI, that goes to public safety. And, and so, I, again, I can't talk, you know, I can't speak for Judge Rands, but I think the prosecuting, uh, the prosecutor's office coming after him before he's even done anything is an I believe an abuse of power, and it seems to me that that they have decided to come out in kind of a heavy hand, and what would look like to be kind of an intimidation. I don't know. And so, what do you guys think as far as I, again, not not something that's generally done from the prosecutor's office, and and they want you know they want obviously to put people. They want justice served when a DUI has been committed, and I think everyone does. Uh, but at the same time, that person, they deserve a good defense, and they deserve what 
you know, they're having their rights upheld in court. And and so for the prosecutor's office to very heavy-handedly come after Jonathan Rands to, it feels like, make a point here, what is the concern and what is the danger of, from the outside looking in, if a judge just kind of bows down to that, uh, it doesn't look good. That It looks like they're just going to do whatever the prosecuting attorney wants. And that's certainly what our concern was, was the appearance of these affidavits before Judge Rands had an opportunity to make any ruling whatsoever. And a judge cannot and should not bow to any public pressure, any media pressure, any outside pressure about what they should or should not do in a case mm-hmm. or bow to a prosecutor's pressure because of the en banc, um, not en banc, the uh, blanket affidavits or what they perceive as pressure from the prosecutor's office outside of argument inside the courtroom to make certain rulings that they're concerned that, oh, I won't have a job in four years if I don't do what the prosecutors want. And that's completely uh, inappropriate. And a judge cannot do that. And that's the appearance of the prosecutor's office attempting to do that is what we were concerned about it. I don't know, Mr. Ritchie. I don't know if that was the intent at all. Obviously, the prosecutor's office has significant concerns about public safety regarding DUIs, and everybody does. Everybody drives the roads. No one wants themselves or their family members to be hit or killed or hurt by a drunk driver. And that includes defense attorneys, Mm -hmm. and that includes um, Judge Rands. We all understand the public safety issues. And just because Judge Rands has previously represented human beings who've been charged with a crime— and his job is to zealously rep- represent that one person and to do the best he can and make sure that the state and the prosecutor's office is doing everything within the Constitution and the evidence is all admissible does not mean that he doesn't care about public safety or that he will not um, make appropriate rulings as a judge in that completely different role. Um, I was a prosecutor before I became a judge. There are things I... Um, you know, may have argued for as a prosecutor that as a judge, I can certainly see the human side of the defendant sitting before me. I actually have the opportunity to speak to them now, and I didn't have a, as a prosecutor. And you are not bound by what you did in your former role. Right. So Judge Rand should be given the opportunity to show that he can do what the people elected him to do which was uphold the Constitution, make the correct legal rulings, and protect public safety all at the same time. Right, because we don't know how he's going to rule until he rules. Correct. We don't know how what his you know his style of ruling is going to be. And, and having been a defense attorney, he might be heavier on, on some than others would. And that's been my experience. I mean, the general, um, uh, the conventional wisdom is that when a defense attorney takes the bench, they've heard it all, they've seen all the excuses, they're less likely to bite off on those excuses when they're a judge. Right. Defense attorneys are not uh, necessarily going to be any softer on crime than a former prosecutor or a, a private attorney who takes the bench. You take the bench in a completely different role than your role as an advocate. And Judge Rands should be given the opportunity to prove that in court and make those rulings. And that had been his plan was to allow the attorneys to make their argument about whether he should recuse himself from these cases and make the ruling from there. And that he was not given that opportunity. And that's how the legal system should work. You make an argument on the record on a particular case. 
you get the ruling. It's all recorded so everyone knows exactly what was said and what, what happened. Right. And so what I kind of worry about is, are we setting a trend now for, uh, you know, Judge Ransley, where the 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 prosecuting attorneys are going to file all these affidavits, <laughs> the defense attorney is going to file. I mean, are they going to start just filing these against him? And I mean, here's the thing. We live in a small community. And if you don't like Judge Rands and you don't want him to be there long, you make him irrelevant. And I fear that that's what they're trying to do to our judges here is by taking this away from him and burdening the other judges, they're going to say, well, he can't do his job effectively because of this, which is unfair because they don't have the evidence against him. And that certainly was our concern. As I said, I don't know Mr. Ritchie and what is going on in his heart, but that was the appearance. That was our concern. This is a very unusual circumstance. Uh, we, The judiciary is a separate and co-equal branch of government, and the executive branch, which Judge Ritchie, or I'm sorry, Mr. Ritchie is a part of, mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, cannot have inappropriate uh, control of or pressure of a co-equal branch of government. And that's what our concern was. Right. So uh, now they, we talked kind of a bit about what happened with the affidavits and, you know, them ruling on, you know, when he became a judge and the timeliness of all of that. So how does that now affect that outcome of that decision, how does that now affect what he's able to do as far as ruling on those? Where does he go from here? So the affidavits that have been submitted have disqualified him from the case. So he's disqualified on those 123 cases. He can't hear those. And to be clear, none of those were cases that he worked on previously. Correct. Right. Correct. He's automatically cannot see anything oh, he's ever correct. worked on. So those right. are clear, you know, he's biased or wouldn't necessarily be biased, but that's clearly just not on the table. Right. If it was a former client, he could not hear those cases and he's recused himself from those cases. Um, the affidavits were submitted on DUIs where similar issues were possibly going to be brought up. So at this point, he can't sit on about 10 percent of the cases that he would have been uh, hearing. And those have been transferred to Judge Anderson. That does create an you know, an issue for the staff. They have vertical uh, case assignments there in Whatcom County District Court. You're either in front of Judge Rands or you're in front of Judge Anderson. Mm-hmm. So that throws that off. It creates more work for Judge Anderson and more work for the staff if they're transferring other cases to Judge Rands to balance out the two judges' workload. So it does create an administrative issue for the court to have this happen and in, in you know, the significant amount of cases. Okay. So are you seeing any trends here, you know, in your role? Are you seeing trends throughout the nation or throughout the state where judges are feeling pressure or trying to be influenced from outside sources? Is that something you guys are concerned about? We are always concerned about that because uh, judges get pressure from all sorts of different um, avenues, either from the prosecutor's office, from the media. You know, if there are stories about judges, say they made a release decision and someone got out and did something else, then, you know, judges receive death threats. They receive um, a lot of letters and commentary. People can come into court and watch what they do. Uh, there's public pressure to uh, put people in jail for longer or et cetera. Mm-hmm. There's also pressure to uh, from the outside sources to uh, be more lenient, to may be understanding of someone's addiction issues or mental health issues. There's all these separate pressures coming onto what the judge is going to be deciding. 
So a judge has to make a, you know, the ruling based on what pre is presented to them in court and only what is presented to them in court. Uh, we obviously keep on top of, you know, um, law regarding mental health or new scientific studies regarding addiction, et cetera, and the attorneys bring that forward to us. But we need to make our decisions based on what we are presented in court and not what any outside influence tells us we should be doing. Okay. So, you know, as, as I, I think, again, not many people spend a lot of time kind of thinking about the judicial system. Um, it, it, can you speak to how important it is not only for people to kind of educate themselves, their children, but for us to pay more attention when we and I don't know if you, you can tell me if you can't answer this or not. But when it comes to elections, how important are your judges? The judges are very important. We are the neutral arbiters of any dispute that any of the citizens have in this nation. So if you're charged with a crime and the state is wanting to prosecute you and put you in jail, you're coming before a judge. If you have a property dispute with your neighbor, you're coming before a judge. If you are sued by someone, you're coming before a judge. The judiciary, the branch of government, handle interprets the laws that the legislature writes and we make sure to protect each and every single person's constitutional rights, makes, make sure the laws are constitutional, make sure people are being treated fairly. Um, so, and about 85% of the cases go through a district or municipal courts. So that's where most people are gonna have any contact with the justice system. So it's very important who that person is who's sitting there, who's protecting constitutional rights, protecting the public safety, thinking about that. Uh, it's something I wish more people would pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And you see the voter level drop off, the numbers drop off as they get to the judges on the ballot. And, That's exactly why yeah. I ask you, because you do. Yeah. You see voter drop off, yeah. and and people very seldomly do they educate themselves uh, on on judges. And, and so we're going to take a ba break, and we'll be right back. Sixty-two. 63, 64, Medicare. So many of us get hung up on our age, but what we fail to realize, we've been paying for health insurance since we were old enough to work, which means we may actually be getting a raise once we're on Medicare. Sound complicated? Let D&D Insurance help make the complicated task of enrolling for your health insurance a little less complicated. I'm Derek, and my wife Denise and I, along with our amazing staff of family and friends, keep things running here at D&D Insurance. We try to help anyone and everyone navigate this ever-changing world of health insurance. Whether you're retiring and trying to figure out Medicare supplements and Medicare Advantage plans, an employer looking for better benefits for your employees, or you're self-employed and needing a plan for yourself and family, we're here to help. Give us a call at 392-8159. See you at D&D Insurance, where we try to make the complicated uncomplicated. This is Steve Berger, Lead Counselor and Director of Contact Counseling Recovery Services. Despite being a fourth-generation Whatcom County resident from a solid, established family, when I was struggling with alcohol and drug addiction, my family didn't know where to turn to help. By the grace of God and a recovery program, I was able to get sober and have devoted the last 34 years of my life helping others find recovery from addiction. If you or a family member is struggling with substance abuse, please contact us at 360 671 
888-3277 or contactcounseling.com. KPUG is the sports leader, bringing you complete coverage of the Seahawks, Mariners, Huskies, and our high school athletes. We put you in the stands of the biggest games, including the Super Bowl, the World Series, March Madness, and state championships. Plus, KPUG features the best in sports analysis and entertainment, from Dan Patrick and Jim Rome to Mike Greenberg and our own Mark Skolton. If it's happening in sports, it's on. KPUG 1170, 97.9 FM, KPUG 1170.com. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Ashley Button your host this morning. And this morning I have with me Judge Rebecca Robertson. And we're talking about what's going on here, Whatcom County District Court and Judge Rands. So we're just kind of going over, you know, what the role of the courts are and how important it is to make sure you pay attention to those who are running for judge or that you even vote because we've talked about, you know, there there's kind of a voter drop off when you get to what might seem to you to be the less attractive things on the ballot. <laughs> uh, you know, you may or may not vote, you know, and and so I, you know, I, I brought this up because I know that during this last election, Jonathan Rand's. He spent more time knocking doors and talking to people than I've I've personally ever seen a judge do. He was everywhere and talking to everyone. There was absolutely no bias to which party, um, you know, affiliate with the party or not. He would talk to you. He was at the Sikh community, the Sikh temples. He was everywhere. And not not only to to show people what the type of person he was, but to just educate them on things that pertain to law. It's a passion of his. And, and I think that if you look at how hard he worked during the campaign, you can kind of you can see the evidence, the fruit of what you would get as a judge. And and so that's why this kind of sparked my interest on on doing a segment, because from my experience with Judge Rands, like I talked about his his interest in keeping the public safe is top priority. And so to come against him so heavy handedly with these and, and to have 123 affidavits, it's it seems to me like there's something else going on. And only time will tell. We will see. But uh, I I'm I'm glad for for you guys opinion piece. And it, like you said, it was meant to come out after his hearing, um, but they had to push it. Um, but, you know, I as as you look at this as a whole, what do you hope the outcome to be for him as he sits at the bench for the next couple of years? I hope that this calms down. I, as I understand, the prosecutor's office has stopped submitting affidavits. I hope that Judge Rance is given the opportunity to make rulings on cases, show what a conscientious judge he will be, show that he cares about public safety, and show that he cares about the rule of law as well. And so I believe that that's happening, and I'm I'm really hopeful that that's happening for all parties. Mm-hmm. You know, the people of Whatcom County deserve to have um, a safe society and to be safe from uh, DUI drivers, and those people accused of those crimes deserve to have those there and everyone else's constitutional rights protected, and that's the position of the judge. Um, you know, as I said, I was a former prosecuting attorney, when I'm, uh, I've been on the bench now for 13 years, oh, no, and I do get affidavits from defense attorneys sometimes who perceive that I'm going to set bail higher on their DUI clients, or I may sentence them 
to more jail time, et cetera, on their DUI clients. And that is 100% their job. They should mm -hmm. be doing that. It would be, um, uh, I totally understand when that happens. However, when I was brought a motion before me to suppress and dismiss uh, some results out of the toxicology lab because it was contaminated with methamphetamine, um, I understand that these cases are important. A lot of the cases that I ruled on, they were third, fourth DUIs. There were public safety uh, issues for sure, but the law was not followed. And I had significant concerns about the reliability of the test and whether the toxicology lab was uh, following the rules, et cetera. And I did suppress and dismiss all those cases because the law, rule of law was not followed and those tests could not be trusted despite the public safety concerns. And that's the balancing uh, that the judge has to do every day. And I have um, full faith that Judge Rands will be able to do that if given the opportunity that the voters gave him. Mm -hmm. And and so we talked about this, um, the breathalyzer, and how it's been uh, not been admissible, and and or if it may or may not be admissible. And some judges they agree, they disagree. But what happens? It's at a higher court now, right? So so what happens then if it if it goes to the higher court and they rule? What happens to then those those lower court judges? Can they even make that decision anymore? And now it's been made for them. It's if the state supreme court rules on this issue, mm -hmm. they have the final say. That the all the other judges in the state have to follow what the state supreme court has stated. Either the breath tests are suppressed or they're not. So most jurisdictions are waiting and not hearing this motion anymore. Once the supreme court accepted it, and that was late last year. They accepted this for review. It was going to be on the spring term. And so instead of hearing all these motions again in the trial courts, they decided we're going to continue these cases and wait to see this, what the Supreme Court does. And this is not unusual. Once the Supreme state Supreme Court takes up an issue, uh, we wait to see what they do because right. they're the final arbiter. So essentially the Supreme Court's going to be making the decision on these breath tests. Right. And so once that's done, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Right. You know, it, so I, I feel like, you know, again, a little bit of nitpicking. And, you know, I've seen uh, online there were so there's been many articles following this story. Again, kind of unprecedented, very huge, uh, heavy handed, big, large amount of of these affidavits being filed. So it's been followed in the press. And, you know, so I I think that. Again, we need to look at the facts here. The facts are that in, in this in, in this circumstance, J Judge Rands, before he was a judge, just wanted to follow the rules, which is what you want in a judge. Correct. And so if you're looking at the evidence here, if you wanted evidence against him, you don't, in my opinion, you don't have any evidence that he would rule in a way to harm people. He's going to rule by the rules. And whether you agree or disagree with those rules as a public that person has rights still. And 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 that that attorney needs to uphold their rights. And so I feel that the evidence for him, for this is they've just decided he's guilty no matter what. And and so I, I hope to see that this isn't going to become a trend. I I would like to see Judge Rands be able to do his job and to show us the type of judge he actually can be. And that's certainly what we're hoping for as well. That's how the system should work. People go before the court. They make their best legal argument. The court decides if the any particular party doesn't agree with that decision, they appeal it to a higher court. And that higher court hears the argument on the record and makes the decision. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I am a big proponent of public safety. And you if you commit a crime, you need to be punished. And especially if you repeatedly commit a crime. And, and so I'm not I'm definitely not advocating for, you know, letting people off with a lesser sentence or or throwing things out just because you can. But what what I'm saying is that, again, everyone has rights and we want our judges to go by the Constitution and we want them to do what they are supposed to do from the bench. And and so, you know, going so going forward here, um, what do you guys feel that there's any role for you left in this or are you just kind of watching it? Um, We're just keeping tabs to see what is continuing to happen. As you know, my understanding is that there the affidavits on the DUIs have stopped. And so hopefully we can just move forward and Judge Rance does his job and uh, Mr. Ritchie and the prosecutor's office do their job, which is how the system is set up to work. And so I'm really hoping that that's how this situation has unfolded and that's what will happen in the future. That's going to be the best outcome. Okay. So I just, we've got a question from a caller here and they're asking, are there any checks and balances that can be applied to the case with Rance? So I think they've, it's pretty, it's been ruled on, right? With these 123 cases, like it's done. Can he, is there anything else that can be done? Can he appeal that or? No, under the current rules, as they're set, both statutory and the rule, if there's a motion to disqualify, which each party gets for one time on their case, then he disqualifies himself from the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can't hear anything on those cases. That's very different from a, rec- a voluntarily re- voluntary recusal. So say Judge Rand said, you know, I've represented folks, I've made, they've made this argument on the breath test. I'm going to recuse myself from those arguments on the breath test. That doesn't mean he can't hear the trial once another judge has made that decision, or frankly, once the Supreme Court has made that decision, because that's ultimately what's going to happen. So, you know, hypothetically, say the Supreme Court does agree, okay, all these breath tests should be suppressed. There's no reason Judge Rands couldn't hear those trials if he voluntarily had recused himself from the breath test issue. Right. If there's an affidavit, however, then he simply cannot hear any part of the case unless there's uh, permission from either of the parties. And that does happen if, like, there's a motion to continue that's not contested and I've been affidavited before and I said, does anyone have any objection to me just signing off on this continuance so we don't have to drag another judge down here to do it? And everyone agrees with that. Okay. So... So, you know, with I, some other things I've seen on uh, comments online is, you know, electing a judge at the DUI attorney. Oh, you know, what were we thinking? Or maybe those aren't people who voted for him. I'd probably say. Right. But how often do you see defense attorneys become judges? Do you Is it pretty equal or what do you think? I'm not sure if it's pretty equal, but I'm actually just not sure of the numbers, but all the time defense attorneys, uh, former defense attorneys become judges and they become fantastic judges Mm -hmm. and they want to protect the public safety and they want to uphold the rules that the defense attorneys and the prosecutors want to uh, have to follow. And I serve with many former defense attorneys and I think they're amazing judges and some of them are tougher than me on some on various cases. And. I've endorsed them and I've encouraged defense attorneys to become judges because they know the law. It's a different role and they know what that role is. So I would not say that any any former defense attorney is going to uh, not protect the public safety any more than I would say a, a prosecutor is not going to respect constitutional rights or just hammer people who need uh, leniency. Mm-hmm. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, I appreciate you driving up here and spending time this morning. It's something that I've had a lot of interest in, but I couldn't just come on here and talk about it because there's <laughs> no way I knew all these details or or been able to educate people. So I really appreciate it. And I'm going to continue to follow this and see what the trend is. So maybe we'll invite you back sometime. Thank okay. you so much. Thank have a good rest of your me. weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Saturday.